Hey everybody, this is Steve Thomas. Thank you again for joining us on Budge. This month we're going to talk about what is your win. And joining me in this episode is my good friend Sonia Jones, who I've known for over 20 years. Sonia lost 144 pounds on NBC's The Biggest Loser a few years ago and took second place by less than a pound. But yet, she says she still can find her win in that. What does that mean? Join us. You'll find out. I have said for more than 30 years of my life, constantly to people, you are born to be a winner. You're only a loser if you choose to lose. So today I want to talk to you about what that win actually looks like. What does the win look like? I believe this. I still believe it now. I believed it 30 years ago. I believe it now. You're born to be a winner. You're only a loser if you choose to lose. That does not mean that you are always going to win. That means that you are and can be a winner, period. So is there ever a win in a loss? And, and, and this, this we live in a very scoreboard-driven society. Um, and the scoreboard society says that if there's more points on the board, you win. If there's less points on the board, you lose. And while I get that for competition and sports and those kinds of things, that doesn't translate well into real life or especially your work life uh, and your personal life. So the win in this case basically is what do you deem to be success? What does success look like to you? And what is your win? And one of my passions for a long, long time has been to help people find and understand and live their win. Now, recently in leadership, I've been challenging leaders, and some of you are on this call, I've been challenging leaders to figure out what their win in leadership is. It's a little bit different than your why. I love Simon Sinek's The Golden Circle and Start With Why. I love all that. I use a lot of that. I believe in it. Uh, years ago, Rick Warren came out with a book called uh, Purpose Driven Life, and he talked about what our purpose was. You find your purpose and really cool things. I believe in all that. The win is a little bit different than your purpose because I think that you can understand your purpose and know what your purpose is and still not fully understand what the win looks like for you, your team, your organization, your marriage, uh, your work in every, in every part of life. So I want to explore this with you a little bit today. And I'm, now I'm a football guy, so it is really hard for me not to put this in a football or a sports context. So, but you have to understand that that's not the only context of what I'm talking about. So what does a win look like to you in a sports context? What does a win look like to a team? Now it changes the higher you get in sport. Like you're, if you're a professional team, you're a professional coach, you, you get paid for wins because that's where the money is. It's a whole different thing. When you're at the lower levels, you don't necessarily get paid for the win. So what does the win actually look like? And I've talked to some football coaches and I've talked to a lot of different coaches I say football because that's kind of my world about what the win looks like to them. What does a win look like to you? And, and I coached high school football. Uh, I was on staff. I wasn't the guy, um, but I helped with the team for about 12 years. And uh, we, we, we won state two years in a row. And I'm going to tell you what, man, it felt great. It felt really, really good. The next year, we lost in the semifinals. And here's what I learned. 
I hate losing more than I love winning. I used to hear Michael Jordan say that, and I never understood what he meant. I thought that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life until it happened to me. And I'm telling you, I got two state championship rings. They're in a drawer right here, about two feet away from me in a box. They never come out. It felt good for the time. But that loss, I'm telling you, it gnaws at me to this day. It's still not. I hate losing more than I hate winning. But here's the deal. Can you find a win in a loss? And you can. You can. You can find a win. We're finding that out this year. 2020 has been a weird year, man. I'm going to talk about that uh, in December on Budge. And it's been a weird year. And there's a lot of losses, but can we find wins in this loss that we're all living in now? And I believe, I believe that we can. So one of the things I told our guys, we lost that, that, that semifinal a few years ago. We made it back to state championship, and then we lost that state championship. And again, it hurt, man. It hurt. And here's what I told every one of the guys and even some of the coaches. You got to mourn this loss. You got to lean into it. You got to mourn it. But then you got to count your wins. Count your wins. What got you here? Because here's what I've learned. The win is very brief, but what got you there lasts a lifetime. And that's what you got to focus on day in and day out when you're at work and again in your marriage and in every part of your life. So what is your win? Now, because I put this in a sports context a little bit, there are some signs that you might not win if you're a sports team. So I just happen to have in my hand right here, the top 10 signs, the top 10 signs you are not going to win if you're a sports team. That I'm a David Letterman fan, yes. So here are the top 10 signs you probably are not gonna win if you're a sports team. Here we go, number 10. When the coach says, are you ready? You say, I can be. Number nine, the sideline is littered with big gulp cups. Number eight, the smoking side of the bench is more full than the no smoking side of the bench. That's a problem. Number seven, right after pregame stretches, you puke your living guts out. That's a pretty good sign. You are not going to win that game. Number six, every time you bend over to tie your shoes, you cramp up. Uh, number five, instead of the eye of the tiger, you have the dull stare of a dairy cow. Probably not going to win. Number four, Pre-game gravy chugging competition, not a good idea. Number three, the pump up pre-game music is Air Supply's greatest hits. Probably a sign you're not gonna be up for that game. Number two, while running out on the field, your four inch heel breaks. That is a problem, that's a problem. And the number one sign that you're probably not gonna win if you're a sports team is the center giggles every time the quarterback goes under center. There you go. That's it. So we got, thank you. <laughs> Top 10 signs you're probably not going to win. So what is your win? What is your win? And this is what I'm going to explore today. I, I, I love definitions of words that we use often to try to figure out what exactly do they mean. So I looked up the definition of win. I've done this for a long time. And, and I, there, there are a lot of different definitions of winning. Winning is achieving success. That's what one definition achieving success. But then it begs the question, what exactly is success? Another one said to obtain the favor of. And I like that one because I tell leaders all the time, 
one of your number one things that you need to start off with is to win them over. So you obtain the favor of somebody, that's a win. The one I really liked the best, when I found this definition, it was success in adding value. Success in adding value. Think about this in your leadership. Do you add value in an intentional way? Some people get lucky just because they're good people, they add value. But are you adding value in an intentional way? And when you add value, you're getting closer to understanding what your win is. So I have invited a friend of mine on, Sonia Jones, uh, to help walk through this. I've got five ways that I'm going to give you in a little bit here that you can uh, begin to find your win and what that is. And we're going to walk through this together here in a bit. But I want you to hear Sonia's story. And the reason I wanted Sonia on here, I've known Sonia for, I, I think, 23 years. I lost track of the math, but I think for 23 years, I've known Sonia. Sonia has always been a beautiful person. To me, she has always been a great friend. Um, and about uh, six, seven years ago, I can't remember, six, it was season 16, uh, Sonia decided it would be a good idea for her to audition for The Biggest Loser. So she did it and she got on the show. And, uh, and I don't wanna blow the whole story here, but she had quite the experience. And as I told you last month already, so I'm, 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 Sonia, I'm giving some of it away here. She was the runner up by less than a pound, by less than a pound, $250,000 gone championship gone by less than a pound. However, she pursued to find what her ultimate win was. Now, I love this girl and she's going to tell your story. So uh, virtually give it up for Sonia Jones. <laughs> Sonia, there you go. Here we go. Hi, everybody. It's good <laughs> to be with you, Steve. Thanks for the opportunity. Anything that you are doing and get and uh, invite me to be a part of I, I always want to be so I appreciate you so much it's uh it's good to be with you guys uh, from Hawaii to Canada to Pennsylvania um, a little bit about my story I'll, I'll just give you a, a little bit of background and then and then we'll kind of get into the whole win and um, pseudo win or otherwise known as loss um, but I was uh, I've I've battled my weight my entire life I I don't think I was under 200 pounds since eighth grade. Um, my family is is large. My uh, you know genetics don't play well in my in my favor. But I also am a person who suffers with with binge eating disorder, and I didn't know that until I got back from the show. To be honest with you, um, so left to go on the show. I was 283 pounds, um, and I'm five foot four. 283 is great if you're seven foot six. Um, I'm not quite there. So I'm 5'4", 283, and that was in June of 2014. Um, I actually, it's kind of cool. I wrote a post. Uh, I've always loved The Biggest Loser since day one. Uh, first time I saw it, I was hooked in, and man, I'd sit and eat it with a big old pizza and a two liter of soda and uh, watch <laughs> it and think, man, it looks really hard, and I was right, it was. Um, but I loved the show, and I, on a whim, just uh, applied one day. I actually wrote a post in 2009. And that post was titled 25 Random Things You May Not Know About Me. And number 10 on that list was, uh, I secretly have a desire to be a contestant on The Biggest Loser, which was really cool. However, 
fast forward, it, I wrote that post in 2009. I wrote it at, um, and I posted it at 9.55 p.m. Central Standard Time on January 29th of 2009. Well, what's really cool about that is that six years later, looking back, I posted that, that post um, down the day, the minute, the hour, the minute that I was standing on the scale for my final weigh-in in Los Angeles um, on, on The Biggest Loser. So that's, that's really cool how all that came about. It was six years to the minute that, that, I, that I posted that six years later. But when I left, I was 283. The end of the show, um, I really, well, to, to give you a, a little background information, I, I hated who I was. I was, uh, I was an elementary PE teacher. I was a coach. Uh, track coach, softball coach, uh, loved, played up, up to semi-professional softball, loved it, um, you know, but no one really knew how much I struggled with myself, who, how much I, I hated who I was simply because of, of the way that I looked. I mean, Steve's known me forever, and I don't think Steve would have ever would have ever known that because um, I put on front. Yeah, everyone else did, so everyone assumed that I did as well. Um, Go through the show, lost uh, 144 pounds, keeping about 100 off today, um, which is, is, is where I, I, I want to be. Um, so, but I did, I lost the show. I lost the title of The Biggest Loser. I lost um, $250,000 by 0.01% of my body weight, which is the uh, closest margin of loss in, in Biggest Loser history. With that being said, I was also favored to win. I was... Uh, they had dubbed me, they had named me that, that season and as America's sweetheart and that I was, they expected me to win because I was the biggest loser in weeks five through 17 consecutively. So I was, I was the most consistent person to lose, to lose weight. Um, I'd lost the most consistently for 13 weeks and um, everyone believed that I was going to win going into finale and I did too because I did everything just right. Um, I ate correctly, I drank correctly, I slept correctly, I did everything I was supposed to do, um, and uh, I, I did not win the title by less than a pound. So that's kind of, that's a real quick snippet of my story. Yeah, it's definitely a nutshell version, and and uh, and, there, and we'll get to more of it as we walk through this right. as well. So, but I, I, um, I was watching the finale. The only time we've ever watched Biggest Losers is when you were on it. And, uh, and, and you didn't even, you didn't even bother to tell me that you were going, but that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother conversation. I know. I know. Um, and, uh, in, in fact, it, it, I love this story because Deb and I were in LA the same time you were at the ranch and we were probably like, I don't know, five, 600 yards away from you. If, if that up, up in the Malibu mountains. Yeah. yeah. We, we were hiking that day. I would love to have, uh, ran into you. That would have been Although I probably would have choked you for not telling us that you were there, but anyway, <laughs> that, that would have been. Were you, had the show aired yet? Did you know I was on no, at that point? No, I, we didn't know you were even there. Oh, okay. Yeah, because if we'd have known you were there, I would have just busted through the gates of the ranch and right. found Sonia because it's That's my what you do. my sister from another mother. Right. Oh, so, yeah. So I had the right to do that. Right. Uh, so we watched the show. We watched the finale, and we like you because they they touted this as. Oh, Sonia's got this and Sonia's going to win this. And everybody around here in Springfield was saying, you know, yeah, she's got this. And some of our, you and I share a lot of close friends. And so mm -hmm. some of those close friends are saying, yeah, you know, everything's pointing toward she's winning. And then, and then you, you didn't, and you know, you were, 
you stepped on the scale and 144 pounds and you know it's crazy and then toma uh who clearly cheated stepped clearly. on the pounds uh, stepped on the scales and and won the thing and it was literally less than a pound and they said this never happened in all of biggest leader history so right obviously we're mad we're throwing things at the television we're upset we're calling our attorneys seeing what we can do to launch lawsuits you know, it's, <laughs> it's an ugly scene at our house and then my mind immediately went to this is this really why she showed up in the first place is it really why she was there and i just knew in my heart of hearts she's going to be okay yep and everything in me wanted to just um and i knew i couldn't text you or whatever because i knew you didn't have your phone but Everything in me wanted to just say, you know, um, hey, you know what? You're going to be okay. You're going to mm -hmm. be okay. And turns out you were okay. Yeah. So um, I know it would be naive to say you didn't show up to win the thing because you did. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm just, just like, just like you. I mean, I'm, I'm an athlete. I, and, and my entire season was, was athletes. <laughs> you're well, better. you're a coach. Yeah. Well, you're a better, <laughs> way better athlete than I am. Well, yeah. here's the thing. I mean, it's my, my entire season. So I was on season 16, which is glory days. Um, and I was on the cast with some tremendous athletes. Damian Woody, two-time Super Bowl champion. Scott Mitchell played in the NFL for 12 years. Zena Garrison, she won, um, you know, she won Wimbledon. Vanessa Hayden, uh, she was a WNBA star. And then my personal favorite, Lori Harrigan-Mack, was a three-time uh, Olympic softball gold, gold medalist. Yeah, so yeah. we were all athletes. And, you know, I mean, I would, I would do anything to help them, but I, I would also rip their jugular vein out and watch them bleed to death before I let them just beat me. Yeah, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. And there was something that, that's not really true. I'm not, I'm not a violent person. But with that being said, there's something really powerful about being with that level of, of athletes and saying, I'm going to do everything in my power to, to help you, but you can bet I'm going to do everything in my power to beat you. Because like you said er earlier, the scoreboard does matter, but the scoreboard also doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. And that that's that's the weird, that's the weird conundrum of this whole win thing is that and, and some of this started for me, you know, when I was asking people, what do you want from work? And I, re I realized there were two different kinds of people. There was a kind of person that wants happiness, fulfillment, challenge, and those kinds of things that are kind of abstract. And there's other, there's other camp of people, uh, they just want a paycheck. And that's what threw me on this survivor mindset, the survival mindset, you know, and just, you're really going to show up to work every single day just to get crap done, get your paycheck and go home. You were created and designed for so much more than that. You know, That's there's right. so much more, and you know that. And right. so it's the same thing. You know, winning winning is brief. Uh, I I heard this. I heard this uh, a couple of weeks ago. Winning is rented. Mm -hmm. It's rented. You don't own winning. You rent winning, and and the rents do every day. I that was part tagged on there. I like that. So yeah. this is why I believe we were born to be a winner. Winners don't always win because if they did then every NFL team would be a Super Bowl champion. It just doesn't happen that way. But, but the Super Bowl champion to say, oh, all the rest of the teams are horrible is, is a ridiculous statement to make. There are literally only 1,700 men in the world that can play NFL football. So, you know, the, 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 the number 53 on the roster for the New York Jets is a really, really good athlete, superior athlete. So he's not horrible. What is that win? What is that ultimate win? And so that's the kind of stuff. Of course, the scoreboard matters. And, and yes, the paycheck matters. That's the weird part of this thing is, 
but that's not the drive. That's not the ultimate view of success. What I have found for top competitors, and I have studied this, I've studied top performers for a while, and, and there's so much more than just simply the scoreboard that matters to them. And so this has been an ongoing thing for me for years, and this is the first time I've ever devoted this much time to actually talking about it. Um, and so that that's why. And so I knew that night I said this, I, of course, you showed up to win it, but yep. there's something deeper there. That's not the ultimate win. That's a small win. That's a big win. Small wins and big wins equal the ultimate win. So the ultimate win is where we're going to go today. Right. And that's we'll, we'll Does all that making sense? Yeah. So is that making sense to people watching? Nod or shake or something. Is that making sense? Because is that so? So what is your ultimate win? So how do you find that? And there are five things that I have, and this is what I want to walk through with you because I know that um, uh, I know that this this really this is going to help us get closer to what that win is. And I'll share with you some of my story, but I want to hear way more of your story as well. So the first thing is passion. Like what fires you up? What really fires you up? Now, the the fact that you had to go work your stinking butt off, literally and figuratively. Um, and, and do what you did, you know, I, we were talking the other day, I remember specifically the episode of you in the Coliseum, um, yeah. hauling as much weight then as you had lost. Is that true? 114 pounds. 114 pounds. Yeah. 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 And running pounds. stairs in the LA Coliseum. Mm -hmm. That can't be fun. No, so, it, that, that was, that was awful. I mean, just standing there holding the amount of weight that I had lost was, yeah. I was, I, we nearly collapsed. Yeah, I, I can only imagine what that is. So, so what fires you up? What is it that fires you up? This is a passion. What fires you up? So with you, and, and again, I know, you know, the biggest, I know all that, but deep down, what it is, what is it that just fires you up? You know, so now post post show, what, what fires me up is being able to pay forward what I learned while I was on, on the show. Um, not everybody can go to the ranch. Not everybody who could go to the ranch, statistically, you know, millions of people have applied to be on that show. Um, 400 of us have ever gotten to, to call that, that place home. So not everybody can go to the show. Not everybody who could would want to. But there are some things from the show that I, that I have recognized that is for everyone. Um, you know, things like um, a sense of pride, a sense of accomplishment, the sense of being able to set a goal, go hard after it and crush it just to set a, a new one. Those are things that are literally for every person. And my passion now, post show is to help people, especially in the area of weight loss and health and wellness. Now that is my passion to help them, to help people who desperately need a win in the area of health and wellness. So, so that now is what gets me up every morning. Yeah. But for, and before that, mm -hmm. you were a teacher for yeah. many years, right? Correct. What was your passion then? It, it, I, I don't see your passion though it may take on a different form, it's pretty much the same thing. Is that true? Oh yeah, it's, uh, I mean, the, the, my, my passion has, has been to, has to impact people's lives. Yeah. You know, yeah. my, my passion is to, is to, um, you know, help can convey a, a message that, that, that each person matters, that you can do it, that you, that you matter, you know? Yeah. And, and so my, my passion really has been, um, not to put it into John Maxwell of a term, but, but adding value to people, yeah. inspiring. 
Well, that's exactly the definition of winning that I love is success and adding value. And, and that's what winning is. Yeah. And, and that's what I want people to see. You know, there's so much more than just simply survival. That's and, right. And part of that is, is, is finding, uh, finding the win, uh, the word passion. And I've used the word passion for years. I love, I love the word passion. And, but here's I, this, is how dumb I am. I didn't know for a long time why, and I, I was raised in church. So I never knew for a long time why the week before Easter was called Passion Week until just recently when I learned that the word passion actually means willing to suffer for. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. And I thought passion was just drive and excitement, enthusiasm, and it is, but it's something you're willing to suffer for. And so, you know, that that feeds in to a person's personal win is what are you really willing to? to suffer for. And there's got to be something so much bigger uh, than, than what most of us believe. Um, I, I, my, my passion is I love helping people uh, take the complex and, and to simple. I like taking complex stuff and making it simple. It may not always seem that way and, and probably going, Lyndon, what are you talking about the win for? Because you're just complicating things. But, but I, I just, I love taking complex issues. I love uh, going from order to chaos. I mean, I'm sorry, let me flip that around. <laughs> I do love that too. Chaos to order. Right. I love taking things that are chaotic and bringing order to it. People's lives, garages, anything. I love it. It, it. it fires me up. And so I translate that into what is my win. And, and part of that, part of that little piece of that is my passion in that. In leadership, in leadership, when people become leaders, what are you passionate about? What is your main drive? What fires you up in leadership? And part of that is understanding why you choose to lead people. Um, and if you don't understand why you choose to lead people, we talked about this a little bit last month. If you don't understand why you choose to lead people, I'm telling you, it, it's grueling. I just don't understand why in the world people would want, it's not enough just for a badge or a title or a pay raise. You're dealing with human weirdness day in and day out. Why do you want to do that? So there's got to be that passion there. And that passion kind of helps you to, to, to find your win. Is that making sense? Totally. Second thing is this, um, legacy. How will I measure my life? How will I measure my life? So um, again, the definition of winning that I love anyway, success and adding value. I want my life to count for something. I want it to matter. Um, here's the illustration uh, that, that, and I want to hear yours too. I love what you said the other day. Uh, so I want you to repeat that here, but um, you're at your retirement party and um, there's, there's a line of people uh, ready to talk about you and your leadership and, and the years that they worked with you. They're going to line up and one at a time, they're going to step up to the microphone. What do you want them to say mm -hmm. about you and your leadership? That's your story. Yep. And you're, you, everybody on this call, you're writing a story right now. What story do you want people to tell and how will you measure your life? How will you measure your life? What was your illustration on that, Sonia? You know, um, for, for me, I, I don't have children. Um, and I, I knew as a coach that, so 
throughout the, the Biggest Loser, what I knew is that I was very loved and I would get trunks, literally still have trunks of letters um, from, from my kids. Hey, Coach Jones, you can do this watching you every week, pictures of kids making scales, you know, that they step on every time that, that I would get up on the scale and, and, and things like that. And um, I knew that an entire community was, was behind me and supporting me. And um, when I'm standing there in the middle of Studio City, California, knowing that I'm going to win, then in a split second, recognizing, boom, I have been beaten um, and the confetti is falling, but it's not for me. It was really amazing to me in that moment how legacy was the first thing that popped in, in, into my mind. Because what I realized in that moment is that there's an entire community watching right now, an entire community community that's, that's disappointed. My kids who I've given and poured my life to for years, um, are, are standing there watching this and I have the opportunity to model before them what I as their coach have said for years and what I would say to them consistently is it's not whether you win or lose but it's what it's how, how you play, play the game, game. yeah so when I'm busted in the chops with the loss of $250,000 and I'm busted in the chops with the fact that I should be you know uh taken on the red eye to live with Michael and Kelly next. And I should be, you know, and I should be the person who is, um, you know, that the confetti is, is falling for because I believed that when all that comes down to it, am I gonna be a person of my word? Am I gonna model for my students the fact that, okay, coach, are you gonna be a person of, of your word? Is it really the win and the loss or is it how you play the game? Because I played the game well. Yeah. No one outplayed me. Yeah. Um, no one outplayed me. I, I worked harder than anybody on that ranch. Um, I was up before everyone. I went to bed before everyone. I, like I said, I, I never cheated. And in the moment of that loss, it was like I knew that I had the opportunity to model before my students and everyone else watching that it really isn't whether you win or lose. It's how, how you play the game. And, you know, our kids or, or us in general, um, sometimes we can do everything just right and the chips don't fall our way. Sometimes, you know, we can eat correctly, do everything just right, and we still get cancer. Yeah. Um, a kid can be an awesome kid and do everything, be the best kid in the world. And sometimes mom and dad get divorced. And, you know, we can get to a point where we study and we study and study, but we're still salutatory and we're not valedictorian. Sometimes, sometimes things don't always go our way, but we have a responsibility to win and lose with grace and integrity and mercy. And that's our legacy. That's my legacy. That's our le legacy is how it, you know, everything's, things are really easy and easy to model when things are going your, your way. But when you get, when you get elbowed in, you know, in the chops playing in a basketball game, and when you're uh, standing on a scale in front of five, five million people and you lose, um, or, you know, you, something happens at work, that doesn't go, go your way. We have a responsibility to model things appropriately for those who are behind us to leave a legacy that will continue to inspire others far after we're gone. Yeah. And that's, and that's, and that's a beautiful thing. And, and that's just not cliche. That's real life. That's real, that's life, real life. And, and it's, it's, um, um, when, when, when somebody walks by you and, and looks at you someday laying in that box and, 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 and you're gone, and all that's laying there is your body. I don't think anybody's going to walk up and look at you and say, wow, 
Really going to miss that guy because he sure was greedy. Boy, he sure took a lot. Man, aren't you going to miss that? I mean, he took advantage of us and took a lot and took a lot. He never gave anything. I'm really going to miss that. Nobody's ever going to say that. If, if, if you did that, somebody's going to walk up and look at you in the box and all they're going to say is, hmm, and that's it. And that's all you're And then they're going to go eat potato salad and forget all about you. So, but when somebody walks up, we measure life this way. Wow. He was a giver. Wow. He really cared. Wow. He, you see what I'm saying? And all that stuff, because here, here's what I've learned about purpose. And, and I, I don't know, Simon Price says this somewhere, but what I've learned about purpose is purpose always has to do with others. Purpose doesn't have to do. So think about this. You show up to work every single day just for a paycheck. Who is that about? It's all about you. There's no legacy there. It is literally all about you. It, and, and so in some ways that can't even be your purpose because it's just all about you. Purpose is always about others. Um, and it's always, you know, uh, it's always giving to others. It's always bettering others. It always has something to do with other people, even a hammer. A hammer's purpose is to nail nails on, but the hammer has to give or it's not going to be any good. It's just in and of itself, it means nothing. So another thing that, that struck me when you said that was, so the win, you worked your, you worked hard and I know you, there's no, no question that you're out there working hard, but you didn't win it. Here's what comes to my mind. I cannot always control whether I win or not. Yep. That's right. I can't control it. And those of you on this call, you've heard me talk about control and concern. I can't always control that. What I can control is I can control how I play the game. Right. I can control my own sense of fulfillment. I can control my own satisfaction. I can't control how much money I make or paycheck or raises or all that kind of stuff. I can't control that. And so it is this never ending battle of non-control and you just, you're spiraling out of it. It's just, again, you slip into that survival mindset. Well, and, and you also, you also have to recognize that, that, you know, the, the one thing that, that you can consistently control is your, your attitude, you know, and, and how, how you're going to approach it. I mean, I love, I love what Pastor Swindoll says when he says life is 10% what happens to us and 90% how, re, how we respond to it, yes. right? Yes. I mean, and, and I've heard you say a thousand times, how many, uh, how many hairs does it take to ruin a batch of chili, <laughs> right? Just, one. Don't be that no, hair. Don't be you know? that hair in the chili. Right. I mean, I, it just, uh, there, there's so much to be said for, for, for the way that, that, that we respond to the things that, 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 that come our way, you know, yeah. um, and, and therein, therein lies our legacy as well. Yeah. How will you measure life? All right. Here's a third one. Man, so much more to say about that. Values. What do I really, <laughs> really want? Now, this, I'm not asking you, what do you really want? Mm -hmm. I'm asking you, what do you really, really want? Uh, we are in, we are in uh, Christmas gift buying mode right now. And now we have six kids because all three of my kids now have significant others. And now we have five grandkids to buy for. I'm telling you, this, ha th this, we are an Amazon warehouse at our house right now. So I'm not asking what you really want. I'm asking what you really, really want. That's what's going to show you what's valuable to you. And so here's where this thought process comes from. Now, I'm going to ask you in a minute, because this I think this plays into what we're talking about. So, so get ready for this. 
So I, I was asking this question, it's 2018. Everywhere I went, I asked this question, what do you want from work? What do you want from work? What do you want? From work? I didn't set it up. I didn't create any biases. Sometimes I was at a conference and, and they'd say, here's Steve. And I'd say, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. What do you want from work? And I said, I'm not going to lead you on that. I just want to know what do you want from work? So I collected, I don't know, well over a thousand answers. And again, there was two camps of people. Camp of people said, I want money. One guy in San Diego, what do you want from work? He said, money, paychecks. What he said, paycheck. I said, why do you want a paycheck? He said, I want to buy a boat. I said, why do you want to buy a boat? He said, I want to be out on the lake or the ocean every Sunday. I said, why do you want to do that? Because I want to be with my family and it's a lot of fun. I said, why do you want to have fun with your family? He said, because it makes me happy. I said, so what you really want is money, but what you really, really want is happiness. And we've tricked ourselves into believing that if I had a lot of money, I'd be happy. And we know that just simply isn't true. There are filthy rich people that are not any happier than people live in third world countries. And I don't know what in the world it's going to take for people to realize that. Um, but it's just not true. So what do you really, really want? What matters most for you, Sonia? How does that play in? Well, how, how it plays in is, is probably a, a little differently than, than, than you know, what I do in, in a day-to-day -day concept for, for myself. I, I currently, um, through, through a process of, of the last year with COVID and, and being furloughed and then losing my job, um, I've started a, a health and wellness clinic. Um, it, it's a standalone ideal protein clinic and, and I love it. But it's interesting because while I am an independent authorized weight loss clinic, you would think that the ultimate goal, what I want to see is for people to, to lose weight, right? Because it's an yeah. independent authorized weight, yeah. weight loss clinic. You that's would what think that's I, what you really want, right? Right. That's that. That's what I want. I, I want to see people see people lose weight. But even to my, I, I want to see in them what I, I walk through my, myself. So, do I want to lose weight? Sure, I do. Well, why? Because what what you have to realize is it's the thing that's under the thing that's under the thing that's under the thing that's under the thing that you finally get to the root of. What is it that you really want? This is not stuff that you share in small group at church. No, no. This is not stuff that you share <laughs> even with anyone because you're afraid of how you'll be judged, how people will think of you. Yes. Um, so, so here it is. I've, 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 I've started this independent authorized um, weight, weight loss clinic. Well, why? To help people lose weight. Right. But why? What do I want? I want to see people smile. Right. Well, why? Because they finally have some confidence. Well, why? Because they're finally beating some demons that have beat them for a very long time. Yeah. Well, why? Because there's a lot of guilt and shame. Well, what do you mean? Well, there's not. It's not a whole lot of fun to go into a room full of people and say, um, "Hey, guess what? I stood in line for two hours to ride the Batman, and then I couldn't get on because the seatbelt would wouldn't fit me, so I couldn't go on with my kids." Um, well, well, why? So when you get to the bottom of that, you get to the root of people who feel so desperately um, powerless in their yeah. health and wellness struggles. People who, who um, you, you know, so, so it's like, why do you want to lose weight? So I can go on the Batman? Okay. So I can, um, so I can fit into a, a, you know, a booth at Texas Roadhouse because they don't have tables. 
you know. Um, so you have to get to what what it is that you really want, and what you really want is at the base. And when you peel back all those layers, and it's the stuff that really hurts. Yeah, it's the stuff ahead. that really, really grinds your gears to make you get get up in in the morning or keep you up late at night. Yeah, and that's exactly what I'm talking about. You know, that's so. What you really want is to help people lose weight, but what you really, really want is much, much deeper than that. That's hundred percent correct. That's what I believe feeds into what we would, how we go about finding our win. It's not just what you really want. What do you really, really want? Because there are people on this call, I guarantee if I said, what do you really, really want? They say, oh, I want money. Nah, what does that represent for you? Um, but again, you know, the hard part is you got to have it. I know you got to have it, but that's not exactly the ultimate win. So, well, and, and I think that that goes back to the to the scoreboard me mentality. Yes. You know, you, you, you mentioned, you know, you got to have the win to get the ring. You have to be the winner on the scoreboard to get to get your ring. However, you know when you when you get to a point. I mean, when I took on my first coaching um, gig at a local uh, local Christian school in Springfield, man, I had people on my field. I listen. I was a two-time All-American, all okay, and I I was I was pretty good. I just played semi-pro, just gotten back from a professional tryout where I was number four and they took three, so I was pretty good. With that being said, I walk onto a field with this group of girls, and there are girls on there who can't catch a cold. I mean, it is brutal. I mean, they they aren't they can't hit, they can't throw. I tell I tell a girl you know, let's get your glove in the dirt. She takes her glove off, lays it in the dirt. I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, well, you told me to put my glove in the dirt. I'm like, no, 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 no. So, so you back it up and then, then it's small wins along the, the way. So, yeah. Yeah. Hey, you caught a ball. That's a win. That's not yeah. a state championship, but for her, it sure was. Yeah, no, that's, that's really good. That's good. Here's the next one. Intention. What do I want to accomplish? What do I want to accomplish? I hope this isn't too much information. And, and I don't know that any one of these stands out above the rest and finding what your win is. But I think we start just kind of playing with these questions a little bit. It kind of helps you getting get closer to what your win for you is. What do I want to accomplish? Here, here's kind of where this came from. I heard a guy uh, talk just about, about three weeks ago. I was watching a, a talk online. And I'd read this guy's name in a book that I was reading. I read about him. And so I got on to see some of his talks. And he said he was on an airplane one time. This guy, he taught, he, he was a, he's a professor at, uh, I believe, at MIT in Boston. And so he gets on an airplane, sits beside a guy. And the guy says to him, what's your job? And he says, I'm a teacher. And then he said that haunted him a little bit. And he started to realize that the, the, the way he answered that question was about his role not about his job. So what is his job? His job is to educate students. You see it? And there's a difference between our role and our job. And I've been asking people this a little bit, I'm letting the cat out of the bag because some of your, some of you on this call, I'm gonna be with your teams, I'm gonna be answering. So Ryan Grady, when this comes your way, you'll know how to answer this. I say, what is your job? And they answer, oh, I am a technician or I am an accountant or I am the CFO. They describe for me the role, but really that's not your job. That's your role. What is your job? In other words, what is your intention when you show up every single day, you see? And, and, and you, and you got to know what that job is. 
it's the ultimate objective. And that's what you just described, I think, uh, you, you know, a, a little bit in a roundabout way. You just described your job. You described your job more than you described your role. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it, it's interesting when you when you look at your job versus a role it as as leaders, as as everyone on this call is, um, it's it's funny to think about, you know, your job your role is to lead but when you think about it if if you're if you're a leader and there's no one following you you're really not leading you're just out on a walk right you, you know and 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 the thing is um our 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 role our job what we do I'll, I'll say it that way what we do is to impact the lives of other people in such a way that we are able to get more out of them than we ever hoped dreamed or did desired yeah. um I lead in such a way that I know that my athletes and my, my clients would run through a brick wall for me. That's because I'm in the fight with them. I lead them, but I don't, I, I don't go in front of them and just pave the way. I pave it with them. Yeah. And as leaders, that's what we're called, called to do. I'm very intentional about every conversation that I have. I'm very intentional about, about making sure that I am, again, going back to, to John Maxwell, adding value, making sure that, that I am um, accomplishing my, my utmost mission in my daily mission, because yeah. my, my overall mission is to make them better. And how do I do that? I help them with whether it's a food choice, whether it's something with exercise, whether it's this, that, that, the other. There are so many things we do. But as leaders, man, if we are too busy to stop and say, um, how are you? How's your family? How's your daughter doing? Wasn't she not feeling well last week? Uh, hey, thank you for what you add to our or, or organization. We are better because of you. If we're too busy to be say, saying things like that, we're too busy. No, that's I totally agree. I because totally agree. Our, then, our intention, our intention has to be more not focused on things, but focused on them, yeah. on the people. It, it's not. It, it's not just a title thing. No. Like 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 what do you do? People ask me this on what do you do? I don't even know what I do. I can't right. even describe what I do. Right. I can tell you what I want to help people navigate through the complexities of human weirdness. That's what I want to do. I can tell you that I want to help people do this, that, and the other. I, don't, I mean, what do I do? I, I guess I'm a speaker, a trainer, a coach. I don't even know. And mm -hmm. I just answer that question based on the context of whoever I'm talking to, to kind of make it uh, make sense in, in their world. But sure. I, I love that in the, the intention thing, you know, I, and again, I ask leaders this all the time. Okay. So now you're a leader you got this title. What do you want to accomplish? Do you even know what you want to accomplish? And so that's part of finding the win. At the end of the year, you look back and go, it was a great year. What happened to make it a great year? So mm -hmm. that's, that's, that, that's that intention. Here's the last one, decisions. What drives my choices? What drives my choices? Um, and this is where I think for me, the whole um, money thing comes into play because money does not drive my choices. Uh, that's why I can do, well, <laughs> I can do budge for free, uh, or I can charge stupid money to go somewhere, you know, and, and talk for an hour. Um, money does not drive my choices. And there are people on this call that that actually frustrates them because they'll say, well, how much do you charge? And I say, I don't know what's in your budget. Uh, what? They go, no, they, people get uncomfortable with that in the business world. Money doesn't drive my choices. That's not my ultimate win. It's, it's, do I have to have it? Of course I have to have it. Is it important to me? Of course it's important to me. 
but it's not what I really, really want. And it does not drive my choices. You know, when, when it comes to, to, to our choices, our, our, our decisions and every point you've, you've made today as it relates to, to win consistently goes back to each, each other point, you know, the other points you've made, yeah. um, the, the, the decisions, it impacts our legacy. Yeah. You know, our, yeah. our, our decisions impact our passion, um, you know, and, and those things, those are the decisions and the things that drive our choices every single day that define who I am and define who you are and who we want to, to, to be, you know, and, and, and honestly, it makes, it makes things that the people would deem impossible possible. Um, and and it's it's building foundations within leadership, within our buildings, within our you know our structure of of our co corporations that that can consistently define not just who our company is but who we are. Yeah, no, it's it's so big, it's so big. And I I coach in 2010. I, I lead Springfield Youth Football. It's our little league tackle football league here in Springfield. In 2010, I coach a fifth grade team not because I wanted to, because I had to, because I'd asked four people to do it and they all said no. Time was approaching, I just had to coach. So I called a friend of mine uh, who used to coach high school football. I said, hey man, you coach defense, I'll coach offense and we'll go do this. And you talk about not being able to catch a cold, man. These kids were, there were 17 on the roster, 11 of them had never played football before and of the six that had, only three of them were even athletic. As my friend Ken Leonard says, they couldn't play dead in a cowboy movie. Man, it was, I'm telling you, it was bad. It was bad. And so I thought, not only will we not win a game, there may be some games we wouldn't even show up to. You know what I mean? That's how bad it is. Probably how you felt with that softball team. It's like, oh, I don't even know if we're going to make this or not. So no. at the second week of practice, I have no idea where this came from. Second week of practice, I lined them up. All 17 of them, I lined them up. And I said, why do you play this game? Why do you play this game? Why do you play this game? Right down the line, why do you play this game? And all the answers I got back, I want to be with my friends. I love football. Um, I, I want to compete. One of them said, I want to compete. I want to get better at football. None of them said, I play because I want to win every game that I play. Mm -hmm. They all said, I said, all right, here's what you need to understand. That's your purpose. That's your ultimate win, right? And I'm thinking, I didn't say this out loud, but I'm thinking you better hang on to that because that's about all you're going to have right. by the end of the year. So I didn't say it, but I'm thinking it. And so I said, all right, hang on to that because that's why you're playing this game. And for you, that's your ultimate win. Now, our goal is to go win ballgames. You see, we're going to try to go win ballgames, but that's your ultimate win. So I went to the parents, asked them. I started asking everybody. This is 2010. I started asking everybody, why do you do this? 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 So we get our first game. We lose our first game. They're in the middle of the field crying. I said, hold on a minute. Did you have fun? Yep. Did you hang out with your friends today? Yep. Did you, are you better now and you were six? Yep. And went right down the line of what they said. I said, all right, then you know what? That's your ultimate win. Now we didn't win the game. We're going to go work on that. That's our goal. You can't control that all the time. We're going to go work on it, but you got to hang on to your ultimate, your ultimate win. You know, and, and it's interesting, even thinking in terms of, of the biggest loser, I, I didn't win the show. I didn't win $250,000. Right. I didn't right. win um, the trip to New York city. I still pay a, a mortgage, so on and to so meet forth. Michael Strahan. That's the ultimate right. reason you that's, want. To that's the forward. ultimate win, you know. But the thing, the thing is, when you look at what I won, 
I, I'm no longer on medicine. Um, I don't have sleep apnea. I have a confidence that I've never known. I now speak to, to thousands of people over the course of a, a year. I've, op I've opened my own health and wellness business, you know, laying there that night in the face at 3 a.m., you know, I, I'm, I'm laying there in bed like, I lost. I seriously lost this. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. And, and I let myself kind of feel that, that, that emotion for, for yeah. a, a couple of hours. And, and then I thought, you know what? I may have lost the competition. I may have lost $250,000. I may have lost the title of Biggest Loser, but man, did I win. Yeah. I won a new Biggest Loser family. I won a trainer who I, I love dearly. I, you know, I won my health, my happiness, a confidence that I've never known. Man, I won. So let's go do this, the next phase of this thing. Yeah, and you are, and you did, and you still are. And, and I, I thank you for sharing that story because I wanted to squeeze that in, that three o'clock in the morning thing when it when it all comes to lean yeah. into that loss yeah and, and, and that's okay it, it's all right to to feel the scoreboard loss sure that, that hurts that emotion is is relevant and it hurts and honestly that emotion made me a better person that emotion made me a better coach yeah. that emotion helped me um recognize that you know like i said sometimes the chips just don't fall all your way but we always have responsibility to win and lose with grace and integrity and mercy. Always, always. And and, and John Wooden, who is the greatest, uh, probably <laughs> argue, right. arguably the greatest yeah. college basketball coach ever, made the statement, winning is irrelevant. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. Like he won seven straight championships, won 88 games in a row, and he said winning is irrelevant. It wasn't his main focus. And, and that's, I don't, it's not that it didn't matter. Yeah. It mattered. It's just but, that it wasn't the main thing for him. And that's Zappos delivering happiness. Uh -huh. And the outcome of that is they're going to make a lot of stupid money. You see, and all these businesses that get that, what is the ultimate win for us? Uh, there's so much more to be said on this. And I know we're, we're about out of time. I got one more question for you. This, this is a bonus. This is a bonus. How do you find your, so there's not six, there's five and a bonus is this change change here's the question what problem in the world do you want to solve what problem in the world do you want to solve so sonia i want you to tell everybody what you're doing now okay um, and what problem you want to solve you kind of went there when you talk about you know getting deeper than what problem you want to solve and then if anybody on this call wants to get a hold of you where can they do that so okay so you can go to my website which is losing it with sonia uh, dot com or I think that's right. It's new. Um, or you, uh, you know, you can email me at Sonia at SoniaJones44.com. Um, but anyway, it's, what, what was the question? <laughs> what problem <laughs> in the world do you well, want to solve? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so for me, um, my passion, what drives me, the problem that I want to solve is I want to help people who desperately need a win in the area of health and wellness. I, I want to see people smile. I want to see people feel like they can move a mountain. I want to see people set goals, go hard after it and crush them just to set new ones. You know, I, I want um, the problem that I want to see solved is people feeling like they matter in this world where it seems to be a hamster wheel and a rat race. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. I, I want to, I want to see people understand and lead. I mean, sorry, understand and live their leadership to the point that we can literally change the world. Yep. And, and the problem in the world that frustrates me is that when um, 
when when leaders don't get it and when stupid people foul it up. And I'm not talking about stupid people being the people that can't figure out the dosage of one a day vitamins. I'm talking about stupid people who just simply do things and say things to just draw unnecessary attention and hurt and pain. Hey, I want to say thank you again to Sonia for being on Budge this month. She is a beautiful person with a beautiful story. If you want to find out more about what Sonia is up to, you can contact her through her website, losingitwithsonia.com. Thank you all for being on Budge this month. I appreciate that a lot. I hope you enjoyed it. And as always, I hope you found something you can hang on to to help you move just a little because small movements matter.